What's up, guys? Welcome to the Social Media Entrepreneurs Podcast, teaching you how to become a full-time entrepreneur by leveraging modern social media strategies. I'm your host, Derek Vidal, and today I am joined by Kyle Roof. He is the CEO of High Voltage SEO Agency and also the founder of Page Optimizer Pro, which is a tool that helps someone... Uh, optimize their own pages for SEO. We're going to dive into that. I actually don't know the full details, but I'm super excited to learn about it because it sounds like something that I could be using. And uh, yeah, this guy's an SEO master. He's got his hand in a lot of other things. It sounds like too, like every entrepreneur does. And he is hailing from Thailand. So earlier today, I interviewed someone from the Czech Republic. And then my last interview was from Ukraine. Now I got Thailand on here. So uh, we are going all around the world right now. Kyle is actually from the United States. Um, so to start off, let's hear a little bit about that transition to Thailand and why uh, you did that and maybe some just interesting things about living in Thailand. Oh, thanks for having me. Actually, that's great. I would love to talk about yeah. Thailand more than some other things I have <laughs> sweet, to talk sweet. about. Um, you know, for me, uh, I... I saw there's a single masterclass or uh, it's the little app and like famous people talk about uh, something that they do pretty well. And there were two guys on there. One was Steve Martin, the comedian. The other was David Sedaris, who's an author who I really like. And they both kind of said the same thing when they were in early in their careers or there's some kind of turning points in their careers. And they realized they needed to be in a certain place. You know, Steve Martin was like, I wanted to be on TV. And I realized that mean I had to be in LA because when they were passing out TV shows or they're passing out movies, they did that first to the people that were around him. And David Sarris kind of said the same thing. He was in Chicago and he was writing certain types of stories and he realized that the publishers that were publishing those types of stories were in New York and realized I have to get to New York because again, when you meet somebody and there's an opportunity to get published, they're going to publish the people around them first. And I was kind of thinking about that and I was like, well, you know, I want to go where people are, are crushing it in digital marketing and in, in SEO and they're having huge exits and, and they're really doing something big. And I realized that the spot that was doing that was Chiang Mai. It's a huge digital nomad spot, a huge spot for digital marketers. And I was like, I, I need to get to there, you know? So, so something that I've really thought about a lot is when you think about something that you want, think about the people that are doing it and then go to where that is. I think that's a huge thing that people can do to really push their careers forward. And I think also push your life forward. And Chiang Mai has just been an, an excellent move all the way around. I have a, I have a family, I have a, um, a wife and, and my young son is eight, but we got here when he was five. And I'd say we all thought it would be good, just kind of quality of lifestyle. And it's been excellent. Like every time we turn around, it's been better than we thought it could be. And then from a personal or a professional sense, it's been even better in the community that I've, I've been able to plug into and, and what I've been able to give to the community and also what the community is able to give, give back to me as well. So there's always going to be something that can hold you back. There's always, well, but I've got this or, well, I've got that. And I've got this thing or that. Everybody has that, but there's always a solution to those things. And so wherever you're at, you know, and whatever your goals are, think about where that's happening and get to there. And I, I think, I think it'll be really good for your career. I'm uh, curious why Chiang Mai is such a big spot for that. And also how did you uh, figure that out? Did do you just do a Google search and figure out where? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, um, that's great. Yeah, where should I be? <laughs> like, as a, as, that's a, that's a great GPT told you. Yeah, exactly right. Ticket. So there's a huge conference here, a huge SEO conference. Mm. And I visited the conference in 2018. I spoke at the conference in 2019. Um, and in speaking at that conference, my wife and I, we've been threatening on leaving the United States for some time. 
earlier in our lives, we spent uh, five years in South Korea and we really just kind of wanted to get out of the U.S. and and have another adventure. Um, so on that particular speaking, I kind of set up five different um, speaking spots that, uh, and places that we, we, we liked or were interested in. So I spoke in Bali, Hanoi, Chiang Mai, Munich, and Milan. And we spent about a week in each of those places too, try, uh, talking to people that lived there as expats, looking at schools or neighborhoods or just kind of getting a feel. And also like you can get a better feel on what visas you can get or how you can actually move there once you kind of put feet down. And, and Chiang Mai really just kind of ticked all the boxes. Um, if you have a family, the, the international schools here are, are fantastic. Um, and Chiang Mai is a small city. There are only about 200,000 here, but there still are a lot of city amenities. So it is, it's not Bangkok where it's just like, you know, millions upon millions of people and the party doesn't stop. If you're looking for that, Bangkok is great. For me, that's not really my style. But um, Chiang Mai is uh, up in the valley, up in the low mountains. It's very green. Uh, there's a little river that comes through. It's really nice slower pace of life, but it just still does have city things. And that's kind of what we were looking for. And then on top of that, there are all these SEOs here, all these digital marketers here. I think, yeah, I think to your question, like, how did that happen? I don't really know the genesis of it. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people found Chiang Mai and then tried to figure out how to stay, you know, or like, okay, I kind of like it here. Now, how can I stay here? And I think that's when people really started doing a lot of digital marketing and that brought in more digital marketers as, um, as kind of word spreads. Uh, but the infrastructure in, in Thailand is excellent. Um, very fast internet, uh, good electricity, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can get to where you need to go pretty quickly. Um, and if you need Bangkok too, by the way, it's only a 50 minute flight from Chiang Mai to Bangkok cost you 40 bucks and, uh, hmm. they're like 40, 40 of them a day or something. So really easy to get in and out if you need Are to. Living expenses generally cheaper across the board. Oh, I think you'd probably spend, I mean, so you can spend as much as you want. Don't get me wrong, but hmm. I would bet from whatever your lifestyle is right now, you can get a better lifestyle for probably about 50% of what you're paying or 60% of what you're paying. Wow. But I mean, just for perspective, I have a four bedroom, four bath house with a pool and a pretty big yard. And I spend, I'm about, uh, 1,250 USD a month. And what's the, can I ask what the, uh, overall value of the house is? Uh, I don't know what they're selling it for. I think there's only a variety around 500,000. Something okay. like that. So if something like that was in like Colorado or I don't know where you are familiar with like real estate prices, but you'd be looking at a million plus. I think so. I mean, it's 3,100 square feet, almost okay. 3,200 square feet. And we live in a gated community as well. Okay. Um, and like with the other amenities that you're allowed to get, like, um, so we have a full-time housekeeper. You know, she's here from 830 to 430, does all the cleaning, laundry, does um, shopping, does cooking too, if you want her to cook. Uh, part-time nanny. Uh, I have a driver. I don't drive anymore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's super nice. Uh, and, and my driver is also a fixer too for us. So like if we need something, you know, I don't exactly know what store to go to to get a particular thing, uh, but she does. Or if like it's something that needs to be ordered or brought in or something like that, that's she helps out with that as well. So, but all of those like little extra things only cost about say fifteen hundred USD a month for for all those extra services. Wow, what do you miss most about America? Mexican food. That's the uh, okay. For some reason, it is very <laughs> it's difficult. not even an American thing that you miss. <laughs> for some reason, it's uh, I like the American style of Mexican. 
Um, it's hard to get Mexican food in Asia. It's not just a Chiang Mai or, or a Thailand problem. It, it is an Asian problem. And all my travels through Asia, it's actually very difficult. And the taste profiles, I feel, are not that far away, but for some reason, it can't happen. Uh, that's the thing I miss the most. And then uh, I do miss watching uh, football at the right time. Uh, there's this thing called NFL game pass, which is excellent. So really what happens is like you watch, uh, like the afternoon games on Sunday. I just watch them Monday morning, but they do a really good job of, uh, hiding the scores for you. So you can watch the games as though they're live and that works pretty well. Are you playing fantasy football? I used to, I did, I did stop just because it was a little, the time zone a little more tricky to do, but there are actually a lot of people that do it. And, uh, if more of my friends were into it, I would do it, but, um, I somehow like I found this circle of friends that aren't into football and including the Americans. And I was like, <laughs> how many Americans are out there that you'd see uh, just on a day-to-day basis? I would say of, of all the um, expat groups, probably uh, from the United States is the smallest bunch. Uh, but there are still plenty. I mean, don't you'll, you'll meet plenty of people, but there are more people from say Australia, the uh, UK, and even Canada than, than I think from the U.S., at least where I am. How much do you feel like it's this awesome kept secret right now? Because a lot of Americans kind of are like, you don't leave the best country, right? And, but um, Or they feel like, all right, what if I go out there? Like I'm leaving all my friends and family and obviously it's like so far away and, and who knows what the adjustment of lifestyle will be like. Is it kind of like it's it's really not that hard of an adjustment? It's just like a lot of things are cheaper. You still have all the same amenities and then there's all these extra perks. Does it feel like there's just going to be a an American migration at, at some point in the near future if you had to put your finger on it, put your guess well, on it? I remember when uh, we were telling people like, yeah, we're going to, to Thailand. And that's a place that at least is somewhere vaguely on on people's mind map but then like and we're going to chiang mai and that's just simply not yeah because it's all the way up in the north i mean i heard this a bunch they're like oh you're so brave you're so brave for doing that (laughs) and i was like it's not it's not bravery it's it's selfishness um my life is going to be so much better there i am taking myself and my family to live a better life this is selfishness on our part it's not it's not bravery by any stretch of the imagination now that said you know it is, it's not Disneyland, you know, it is a real place. <laughs> there are real things. Um, so, I mean, and I know that living abroad is, is not for everyone, but um, if it's in the back of your mind at all, I think it is something you, sh- you could try. And the nice thing about Thailand and, and there are other countries and you, you, you need to investigate this, but a lot of places will at least give you 30 days, but um, it, especially uh, uh, with a U.S. passport. But a lot of places will even get, like they'll let you extend that for say another sixty. So you could get about three months in a place, and I think you could get a pretty decent feel if that's something for you. So you could do kind of a uh, one foot in, one foot out scenario where you go and check it out, try it out, see if it is actually something that you could do. But if you're working online, you know you can make it happen. And I do a lot of YouTube shows and podcasts, and you know it's my eight a.m. now. I do a lot of them at eleven p.m., which isn't ideal, but that's the worst case scenario is to, I, I film at slightly hot hours rather than doing it, you know, middle of the day kind of thing. But otherwise, you know, you can probably do whatever online job you're doing and you have to, you can't legally work in Thailand. So any work you do has to be uh, online because it has to be outside the country. So you, you can't try legally out. work in Thailand for a number of like, years, at least. 
No, I mean, like, you couldn't like get a job waiting tables or anything like that. I mean, you, I think you can technically, but uh, you have to get a work permit for that. And that, it's a little bit tricky. The job, actually, I don't think you can. The jobs they'll let you do are like um, office jobs where it's like sort of a, um, a tech uh, skill, not necessarily um, uh, labor. Any kind of labor related job, I don't think they'll let you do. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, it sounds like you've had enough online businesses built that that wasn't going to be an issue for us, uh, for you. Um, so let's switch uh, topics to there, even though I do have a bunch more uh, on Thailand <laughs> here, because I mean, just today, I was just out and about and I was like, man, there really are a lot of things about like America's really superficial. I feel like I was at the gym and I was like, everyone is like, so into their look here. I feel like uh, th- that's the last question I'll ask. How how much do you feel like people are like into their appearance in Thailand comparatively? Well, so I am a little removed from Thai culture in the sense of I don't watch Thai TV and I don't watch Thai news. Um, but the other thing I would say too is also don't watch US TV anymore or, or US news. What's really nice is you can completely turn it off. Um I would say that anything that you're into, though, is here. Like if you are a gym rat and you want to be a gym rat, that there is a community here and they're they're doing it and they're going to support you in it. And you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to be able to do whatever it is that, that you would normally do. I'd also add in, though, what is super nice is that Thailand is extremely safe. I think Chiang Mai actually just got voted the safest city in um, in Asia. Uh, of course, there is crime, but it is remarkably rare. Um if you are traveling by yourself, uh, I have not, I have no personal experience with anyone, um, uh, have any crime done to them beyond like a pickpocket, which is super rare. Um, a friend of a friend or a friend of our, in our group actually had his bicycle stolen, which was pretty wild. The police tracked it down, which I thought was more wild. <laughs> of wow. course it was stolen. It was stolen by a foreigner. It wasn't even a, a tiber. There was some foreigner was like down on his luck and, and stole the bike, which was insane. But then check this out though. They're like, so, finally something to do. Let's get this bike back. <laughs> and they did it. I could, yeah. I honestly couldn't believe it. But then when the police were talking to the guy who had his bike stolen, they're like, Hey, look, so you can press charges and that's totally within your right. But what we would prefer is that uh, he writes an apology letter to you. He pays for the damage done to the bike and he does community service at the local temple because we think that would be better. What what would you like to do? And the guy was like, of course, that's totally fine. And so instead of this like turning into like throwing the guy in jail and running through the legal system, it was a restorative process because that's what they're really trying to do. And I was like, that's an am- <laughs> I didn't want my friend's bike stolen, but uh, I am happy <laughs> to see like the, the outcome was really interesting. Yeah. You know, that I, I never would have known that that's kind of how they handle small crime like that when they can. They want to, like, restore things within the community rather than trying to be punitive, which I thought was a pretty interesting approach to life. Are there some crimes that they punish way harder than they would in America, like drugs or anything? Um, drug crimes are uh, on the books. They are more severe. But again, it's n- nothing you really hear about uh, that's going on or that, like. Of course, they do like the we got this drug bust or something like that, which is pretty normal, I think, as police try to show that they're like if you got in trouble for marijuana there. Is it like five years or there? It's still like community service kind of thing for marijuana. I think it's like community service kind of well, actually, marijuana is legal now. So um, but but previously, uh, uh, I think it was more of a community service situation. I think they're more concerned about serious drugs. 
Okay. But uh, again, though, I bet you could get your way out of it. Like, uh, I'm actually, I'm confident you can. Uh, if push came to shove and and things got a little real, I think you could still you you could get out of it. You could okay. figure it out. Very interesting. I, I think it still is probably very interesting to all the listeners because if you're really thinking that you're going to be an online entrepreneurship for a long time, then you do have the uh, freedom of location uh, once you get your business to a certain level. And uh, I think it, it is something that everyone should consider of like, where do I really want to live? And uh, I think especially in America, we don't really uh, ever even fathom the idea of that. We're like, all right, where do I want to live? California, Colorado? Like we just play around with the states, you know, but we're not really like exploring the whole world there. Uh, and it is a, a bit of a culture shock, I'm sure, in, in a lot of ways. But um, you sounds know, though, like, like something you can get used to and love. Oh, I think you'll love it a lot. Um, one thing that's interesting too is if you're starting off as an entrepreneur, you can live a very good life here on a thousand dollars a month, not just like limping by, but like beers with the boys on the weekends kind of a thing. Like you're, you're going to have a pretty good life on just a thousand a month, but that gives you such a long runway. If you're starting off a business, you know, as an entrepreneur, we take a lot of financial risk. You can mitigate a lot of that risk with geo arbitrage where that you could come here. You could have such a long runway with the cash that you have and still live a very good life. And then on top of that, I think you could plug into a community that, that wants you to succeed and, and will give you help and resources and, you know, and, and encouragement, uh, like within the SEO community, we do, um, two meetups a week. Now we do like a co-working day. It's like, Hey, look, we're just all going here and working, join us to kind of like, all right, let's get some work done kind of situation. And then we do uh, casual drinks on uh, Thursday nights just to like, Hey, get out of the house and talk to some humans for a second and, and all that. And then we do like quarterly masterminds and we do little presentations and stuff like that as well. So, and there are other communities as well, like uh, kind of depending on what you're plugging into, they are, they all do regular meetings as well. So in addition to like, like that kind of run, long runway and geo arbitrage, you can also then get into communities that are probably exactly what you're looking for and uh, get a lot out of it as well. So one final pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing you I would got say an affiliate is, link for moving. Yeah, to I, know, Thailand. Just, I honestly feel like I should, because I think I've, I brought a lot of people over. I feel like, but, um, uh, some people do arrive and they just kind of expect it to be handed to them. You know, like, okay, I'm, I'm here, Chiang Mai, give it to me. And that's not how it works. You know, like you do have to participate. <laughs> you do have to go to the, to the meetups. You do have to ask, Hey, who's doing this or who's doing that? Or can I get together with you? Like, it's not just a, uh, arrive and it's handed to you. It is a, um, you do need to put in something at least some effort and i have seen a couple of times where like i went and it wasn't that great and then you find out that they didn't do anything yeah like, well, i don't I, I don't know how to help you <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to do for you buddy like and that's um, so different anywhere you go right like i think the opportunities are here more than other when I, I moved from phoenix and i'm confident that there are more seos in phoenix than there are in chiang mai but there is no community in, in phoenix like there is here in chiang mai you know, not even, not, not even close. I went to a couple like random meetings here and there, but that community isn't this community and this community will share. They'll talk about their niches. They'll talk about what the projects they're working on. They'll talk about just ideas. Like, Hey, I had this random idea and, and it could be a very valuable idea, but they're willing to talk about these things and share them and collaborate on them and then help you along the way too. Even if they're in a space that's competing with you, people will help where I didn't feel that in Phoenix or anywhere else, I think in the United States. I went to an entrepreneur meetup in Denver 
probably uh, about a year ago now. And out of the 50 people there, it was like three other people even owned a business. And the other ones were all just like had brought their resume and were looking for a job. I was like, this is called entrepreneur meetup. Like, (laughs) how is it less than half? of actual actually entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs here I, I was really shocked by that so um yeah it was like they were all in suits had their resumes i was like i don't play this game like i was <laughs> i was like i'm What's just gonna mess with you guys um because <laughs> yeah i'm not playing this game but um, yeah on friday i'm going to a meetup with this group and it's called uh from startup to corporate and it's like how do you actually transition your startup business into more of something that is a corporate structure? I like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. And like, uh, I, it's something, I think a couple of my companies I would consider mature and, and, and are there, but it's not anything that I made a conscious decision on. And it would be, in, I'm now going to be interested to see what this person has to present on like how you kind of consciously make that transition from, all right, hustling as a startup to this is a real company now um, sort of a, a situation. And, and again, that's just another opportunity that I, I just saw a, a buddy of mine posted. It's like, Hey, look, this is going on. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Why not go listen to that and see if I can't upskill a little bit on a Friday afternoon. So, yeah, but, I mean, those things exist here in Chiang Mai. I didn't, I don't think I wasn't experiencing them anywhere else in the U S. Well, it sounds like it would be legit and not just someone giving you, you know, like a course pitch or something like that. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, this is a no pitch situation. Like, Uh (laughs) welcome. By the way, this is actually somebody that's looking to give back to the community. You know, like, hey, I figured this out. This is what I'm doing. I just like to share it and and let's and let's discuss sort of a situation. Nice. Well, it sounds great. Um, so if you guys are curious about moving to Thailand, use Kyle's affiliate link in the description. Yes, please do. Moving to Thailand. Uh, <laughs> I, get, I get one free massage and one free bubble tea every time. So, <laughs> yep. and then you get a free trial to Page Optimizer Pro. That's right. That's the right. The whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so let's talk about Page Optimizer Pro. I'm curious sure. about this, and uh, what are some of the things that it that it looks for on a page? Is it a, is a Chrome extension? It's a SaaS tool, so you do log in uh, to use it. And, and the basic idea is you put in your page, uh, we pull in your competitors, and then we do edge analysis. We find places in the content and in specific places on your content where you can get an edge on your competitors. A lot of tools give averages. A lot of tools pull from APIs. We don't do that. Uh, we do our own math. We do our own analysis. And it's not kind of like average type or, or general best practices either. This is... Uh, specific to your keyword, to your niche, to to that particular SERP, you know, the, the search engine results that you're trying to win. And then we um, point out areas where you can get an edge on uh, on your competitors. And then so we also have a couple of... be on like a blog post or, or could someone use this on their product page for like an e-commerce, like a clothing store? Uh, would they use this on a product page? You can definitely use it on any page that, that you like, but that put, brings up a, an excellent point. Uh, there are times when somebody comes to me like, hey, I'm trying to rank this product uh, for this particular keyword and it's just not working. And then I take a look, you know, I'll search the keyword and I'll say that there aren't any product pages on in that SERP. It's all long form uh, articles. And you really need to give Google the page that it's expecting to get. So like you can't, it's going to be very unlikely for your, you know, 250 word description product page to beat out these, you know, 2,500 word roundup best of type pages. So you definitely want to, see what type of page Google is rewarding. And then that's what you need to create. 
And then when you, as you're creating that, then you can do it just a little bit better than your competitors. And that's how you can get an edge. So if someone was trying to rank a, for t-shirts, I think it might be a little bit harder because you're like, what am I going for? Like black t-shirt, you know, or like polyester shirt. Uh, um, but like, let's say that it's like the, like a Broncos t-shirt or something like that. You're selling, you know, an NFL shirt, like Broncos t-shirt is what you're going for. And you go on Broncos t-shirt. And if you're seeing a bunch of blog articles, does, does that mean you would try to make like, these are the best Broncos t-shirt, like 1250 word uh, full page blog, and then like link up a, a product page. Is that the general strategy? Yeah, exactly right. So if you see that it's all blog posts, even if it's a product that you're selling, you see it's just, this is all posts. That's what you need to do. Um, and yeah, and I would emulate that as, as, as well as I could uh, in order to get the traffic in because you can't teach Google anything. <laughs> Like you can't like uh, that. That's a that's a that's a fool's game. Uh, you want to see what Google likes for that particular term, and then that's the page that you want to create, and then obviously link to from. You can usually usually put products just in just about anything, but make sure that it's not just like that individual product page that you're trying to optimize, and Google is never going to rank. So if I was using your tool, Page Optimizer Pro, and then I went on to the product page for the Broncos T-shirt. Uh, do I just like click one button or, or am I trying to also say this is the key phrase that I'm attacking and like what uh, other inputs are necessary? You need to put in the primary phrase. So the main, the main concept is the right way to think about that. What is this page about? Uh, that does bring up another important point that if you have a main concept, a main concept is one page. So what we consider like a primary keyword needs its own page. Um, often people come to me as uh, p- potential new clients. They'll be like, all right, what, what are you trying to rank for? What, t- what terms do you like? And they'll give me a, the term. They're like, this is the most important one. I'm like, okay, what page on your site have you optimized for that? And you just kind of hear crickets and they're like, well, we optimize the site. And that's, that's not how it works. Google doesn't rank uh, websites. Google ranks web pages. And so if you have an important term, an important concept, it must have its own page. And so within Page Optimizer Pro, you put in what that page is for that most important page and what its most important term is. And then little things such as like, the location you're targeting, you know, United States, Australia, or if you're like really specifically targeting, you know, San Francisco or Chicago, something like that. And then those kinds of things. And then um, that's how we kind of identify uh, which SERP, you know, which results page we need to, to evaluate in order to give you the best recommendations possible. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Do you see people using ChatGPT as a search engine over Google as any kind of threat to uh, Google as a whole? No, not at all. Um, it's it, it's not a search engine. And that, that, that's the important distinction. It is a language model. And it's making a very good guess as to what the next word should be. And it gets information wrong and confidently wrong <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's it's because it it, it it didn't go out and look for an answer it knew the words to say or the words that it thought it should say and that's a huge difference 
between going and finding the answer. Now, the interesting thing is that it is right a lot, which is very cool. And it does, it is fun to use in that way, but it, it can be confidently wrong. Just last week, um, some lawyer used it to, to write a, uh, a brief for court and cited four cases that chat GPT gave it. And those cases do not exist. Hmm. And chat GPT completely made up four cases with citations. You know, like when you look at like how they do like a court case, they give the name and they give a little like how you can find it, like where it's referenced. And then a blurb from the case that made the point that they needed to make completely made up. Then you ask, then they ask ChatGPT, is this a real case? And ChatGPT says, yeah, it's a real case. So it's, it made up a case and then lied about it. But that's the thing. It's not making, uh, it's not making up a case and it's not lying. It's predicting words that it thinks that you need. That's what it's doing. So that distinction will, will always keep it from being an actual search engine that anything that would disrupt, if you will, um, a, a Google or a Bing or anything else. I feel like the judge would uh, like just buy it too, you know, like unless they knew like every case, like wouldn't they just be like, oh, dang, like, yeah, that like, I don't know, like what the context yeah. was of how it was brought up or like how someone was like, wait, that's well, a fake case you just said. It was brought because the other, other side now has to research that, right? They have to look oh, up that case okay. so they can be, so they can make another make an argument. <laughs> they're yes, like, this right? is easy. Uh, they're like, I don't, exist. Where, where, where is this case? <laughs> yeah. And the thing too is like, uh, ChatGPT even said like, um, this case exists in uh, LexisNexis or Westlaw, which are the two big uh, uh, directories for, for cases. And it's, it said it exists there. So it knows it in its predictive model. It knows those are the right words, that those are the directories, but those are behind a paywall <laughs> and they're not open source. So yeah. there's no chance that ChatGPT has a subscription and just did a, did a quickie search for you to find that information. It just, it just straight up knew how to make up the information. It knew the predictive words to put to, together to make it look right. That's interesting. I've only had one problem with chat gpt that it was kind of it's it's a headache uh i try to ask it for podcast titles uh that and it does a really good job but it always puts it in the same format of two or three words a colon and then like a subtitle and i said give me another title without a colon it says okay no problem i'll give you another one without a colon and it gives me another one with a colon and And it doesn't always listen without colon (laughs) and like i put in like the actual you know, yeah. a symbol and it still is like, okay, got you. And it gives me another one with a colon and like just roundabout forever. And uh, yeah, I keep checking back and it just does not <laughs> understand it. So I'll give them, you know, uh, some grace here because I know it's still like it, it's like November that chat GPT four came out. Um, but but it, overall, it'll always have those types of problems. I think where yeah. it's going to be used though is um, you know, like, you know, the tools that, that we might use as marketers, like when you do a search for something or you're on a web page, you can click a, like a Chrome extension and you can pull out specific information that, that's necessary to you or, or interesting to you. That's how I think it'll be used effectively where uh, you can personalize like, hey, I'm looking for this type of information when I'm looking at these types of web pages. And I think it will be able to do web page extraction pretty well or to summarize pretty well for you as well. Kind of pull out that main information so it can kind of condense, like, am I looking at the right thing? before you really dive in and, and spend the time to uh, uh, an, uh, do any kind of analysis on, on that web page or that information. So I think uh, data extraction is where it'll be used and customizing that extraction so you get a real more personalized uh, uh, search experience where you search for a particular term and then it's the results come in and it's going to pull out that information. That's kind of what it's doing now in, in, in its beta. 
but I think you'll be able to personalize that. So you can say like, Hey, I'm looking for this type of information and it'll be able to find a little bit faster once the search is already done. Gotcha. And what about uh, for making blog posts? Do you, if you're talking to a company and you're saying, Hey, we've got to SEO your site. You just need a lot more words on there. You need some blog posts on these topics. How often are you telling that company you got to write this yourself or you should hire these people to write your blog posts? Or would you say, have ChatGPT write it and then we'll go back through and revise it? So a lot of AI writers, uh, even my tool, Page Optimizer Pro, has an AI writer now, which launched two weeks ago. Um, with any AI writing tool, uh, you will need human editing. Uh, and that's because uh, not that Google hates AI content, Google hates duplicate content. And duplicate content is something that really just isn't adding any extra value to the web. And it's AI writers are really just spinners. They're content spinners because they're taking words that they know and they're basically kind of spinning them up and then they're shooting them out at you uh, for, for whatever you asked it for. So it's basically just a very fancy content spinner. And it, what that means is just creating duplicate content. If Google identifies that this is not adding anything to the web, they will one devalue that content, but then they will slowly but surely start just evaluating your entire site. And that's something you want to avoid. So I think using uh, AI tools for a good first draft is a, is a great way to do it, but you definitely need to go in and edit for tone, branding, voice, facts, and uniqueness. Mm -hmm. You know, did you add anything to this that makes it unique and useful for the user. So I think you can really fast track a lot of your writing. You can get those concepts down. You get maybe a decent, you can get your headers, maybe you can even get an okay draft that you can then edit, but they do require a lot of it regardless of the tool that you're using. So if I want to make a blog post, um, I'm going to just tell you some of the, the things that I would think of. like, these are the, the check boxes that we need to check in order to, to get this thing optimized around like this four letter key phrase. Um, and tell me like, cause I know it's not this simple. I've had, uh, some websites where I basically just apply these strategies and eventually, uh, I become on page one, but then there's plenty of others where I'm like, I did all the H ones and the H twos and the alt text and, and it still like, doesn't add up. So if I was doing a blog post, um, if I hit it with like 1250 words, I'm using this key phrase, uh, in it probably, five to six times in the regular text. I'm trying to do an H1, an H2. I'm trying to do some images on there and put the alt text with that key phrase. I'm having the slug of the URL with that key phrase, the title of the article, obviously. Um, the the metadata, you know, the, the, the metadata headline and, and having it in the first sentence of the meta description. Like for in my mind, I'm like, boom, I did it. Like now just wait. Um, is there anything else? Like, do you have to run paid ads to it and get like a high uh, retention rate on that page in order for like things to actually start picking up in Google? Well, what you identified is a really good, solid best practice. And, but the thing is that that ignores that um, there are times when there are other things you need to do. It's, you can't just have a template every time it's going to work. That's going to work for a lot of terms though. That's going to, because what you described was really, was great. Uh, and that's going to work for a lot of lower competition terms, uh, uh, lower volume uh, type terms. But once you get into something that's a slightly more competitive, that's where you need to actually do analysis on what is actually there. What are the benchmarks for this particular keyword for uh, how many times you use the keyword in specific places? What are its variations and how many times you need to use those in specific places? And what are its contextual terms? 
and how many times you need those in specific places. And that goes beyond the template. I think what you described is a great way to, to launch things and see how they go, because that might be all you need to do for a lot of the terms. And that's going to save you a lot of time and money and effort and resources. And then those ones that don't hit, that's when I would come back and use a tool to find the benchmarks to find out how, okay, what do we need to add to this in order to, to get it to rank for this particular term? Um, so I think if you've got a good strategy, like with your content team and you can pump something out quickly like that, I would totally do that. And that's going to work a good chunk of the time. But then when you realize that it's not, that's where you need, it's not like sending necessarily traffic to the page, but it's actually evaluating what do we actually need for this particular term beyond kind of that best practice that you put together. The contextual terms being the words around the key phrase. Yeah. They kind of give context and meaning to what you're talking about. Like if you said the word kitchen, you could be talking about a lot of different things. You could be talking about remodeling a kitchen. You could be talking about actually cooking in a kitchen. You could be talking about that the kitchen is the heart of the home and that's where families get together at the most important times. So like, even though you said the word kitchen, what are we actually talking about here? And those terms, those contextual terms um, help uh, search engines understand, okay, I see what we're talking about now and we need to put categorize it over here for this type of a term rather than over here for that type of a term. Uh, how much would you say uh, for people that are like clothing stores or, or artists that uh, for artists, it's so tricky sometimes because it's just like abstract painting, you know, or like abstract wall art. Like, obviously, everyone's going for that phrase when you have a unique product like that, where there really isn't search terms outside of the super competitive canvas wall art, uh, things like that, because like, obviously, there's not much search volume around like whatever that painter titles their painting. Uh, what, what's your general strategy with that? Do you just try to go for the canvas wall art flowers and, and like, and just really do it on all the listings and hope some of them play out? If people don't know that the thing exists, they can't search for it. That's just kind of how it goes. So there could be categories that you could put on, but your point is hundred percent correct that you now you're not going to win canvas painting. That's just I guarantee you that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no matter how hard you try right now, it's just not, that's not going to go. But that's where social media comes in because that's where you can actually educate and you can advertise in a way to get in front of very specific audiences that, that um, would be interested in what you're doing. And so uh, if you're in a situation where you have to educate the audience before they know to search, that's when you have to do social media. Or something else you can do though, is you could create, um, uh, where are they type situations? So, um, you know, uh, let's say you're trying to get after, uh, uh women that play bingo, right. <laughs> and winning bingo terms might be quite difficult, but you could, uh, build a website on, um, like, uh, older woman's hairstyles or hair dye, you know, like, and, and then you can maybe win those terms and you can start to advertise essentially on your own site for the thing you actually really want to sell. That's uh that's like kind of a that the, the purpose of that example is to try to help you think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. But it but it's possible to completely win something else, have a website about something else, or kind of tangential, but you know that's going to bring in the audience that you want, and then you can get in front of them that way. Uh so there are kind of ways around that in terms of organic search. They might be your audience might actually be searching for something else that they need. Um uh, and then you can get in front of them. Uh they're a lot of different kind of ways to think about it, but just if you have to educate, you might be able to go outside the box, optimize for other terms, and then win your audience that way. Is creating like a top 10 
uh, artists of 2023, how often is that a strategy? Like top new clothing stores of 2023. And then you just like list some other ones and then you put yours in there. Is that a good way to make a you know, full length blog article that finds the right people? Um, how much does that? It certainly, it certainly can be, you know, something you can use that for actually is leveraging somebody else's audience. So you do like, um, you know, the top 10 uh, restaurants, uh, top 10 fine dining restaurants in San Diego, right? And the idea is that you know that your audience is a fine dining eating group. And then you reach out to all of those uh, places and you say, hey, I just did this write up about you, gave you five stars. Uh, feel free to post this uh, across your channels. And so then the idea is that they then promote this article that you've written about uh, their place. And it also lists some other places. And then the idea is that you know that their audience is actually the ones that you want to come to their site. So when they post it on their Facebook or their Instagram or their whatever, and then people click the link to get to your site, the idea is that you brought in the audience and now you have the opportunity to advertise to them that other thing that they might not have known would have existed. Got it. So it's better to write the article rather than reach out, say, hey, restaurant, you want us to put you in there for 200 bucks? Like, it, it's better to like write would, the article. I, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, exactly. I, 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 wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for the money because you're going to get more ad value out of it if they're happy to post it across, you know, their, their stuff. You're going to get more yeah. than that $200. And of course they will. Yeah. You know, it, 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 we listed, we ranked you or our visitors voted and you are in the top five whatever is in the city we'd love to promote you here's a, a write-up that we did and you just give them that and then one post is going to be worth more than that 200 dollars in terms of the traffic that you should get so you get the traffic and then you're also looking to get the uh backlinks of course yeah then okay. you're getting links to that page too for sure and uh you know those are the kind of things then the, you we call that like shareable content and the idea is that it could actually be shared. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. you're writing it for the point of it going across all of their social media channels, being shared, people posting and reposting and stuff like that. You know, you see it see it all the time when somebody posts like on Facebook like that. Hey, we were just in the we were just written up in the whatever, yay kind of thing. And then the people that like that restaurant or like that company, or whatever, they repost it, and that goes out to all of their people as well. It's so if I did that strategy, to... I could do like top ten marketing business conferences, and then yep. I could message click funnels you know funnel hacking live and and all those other ones yeah. and say i did the write-up and then see if they would post it and one post is going to be worth so much you know it's going to get across so many things you know your audience and the type of people that are going to those conferences and that would just be a great way to do it you could reach out to them in advance and ask hey can we include you but um it feels and i think it is a lot more organic if you actually just write it up and you leave it up to them if they post it or not got it okay i like that there's just so many damn things that you can do. It's it's so crazy. Like, and for me, I interview people in like all these different areas. I'm like, I always leave with so many ideas, and it's just like, how do I rank? You know, the the how much the like these random ideas will will do for me. There's only sure. so many hours in the day. Um, sure, sure. But I like that one. Um, even if I have ChatGPT give me the skeleton of this article, and but I'd probably have to go yeah. to these business conferences to actually write up about <laughs> it. So. Uh, you know what though? Uh, you reach out to people that have gone to the conference yeah. and then they give you, they give you a little blurb. So cool. Susie from Des Moines went to this one and she thinks, and Sally from, you know, Chicago yeah. went to this one and she thinks, you know, and then that, then that's even more personal too. Actually, that's a double GBT dip. made them up. That's a chit. That, that, that's a double dip because if you had real people do it, they would probably post it like, Hey, I did a little write up for this. So then you have like all those humans doing that. Plus all of the conferences sending out, I'm actually get more, uh, 
exposure that way. I like it. Yeah, sweet. Well, I need some more backlinks. So that would be a, a great way to get it some from some very credible sources. That do the backlinks count a lot when it's like an Instagram account shares it to their story, but like that Instagram account has a lot of followers. Does that backlink count the same as if these people put it like uh, like if ClickFunnels put it on their actual website? Uh, I think the website's gonna have a lot more value. Um, I don't know how much less value there is in, in a link that's just on a social post, but it, I think it's certainly going to be less, but it is certainly a good thing to get. It's never gonna harm you. And I think it's only gonna benefit. So I wouldn't I wouldn't stress, but I would cross my fingers for they posted it directly on the site. What is your general strategy for like, we need more backlinks on this site right now and we need to get in touch with people in your general market to try to get you on their site? Are you trying to go like backlink for backlink, like collaborations or uh, how do you go about that? There's a lot of outreach you can do and then kind of figure out people's needs. It's, it's uh, a tedious process. And that's why I have an entire team that does it for me rather than me personally doing it. Um, but yeah, getting backlinks like that is, is never fun. I think a better way to do it would be to do something like that with some shareable content and see if you can't get it to go mini viral. It doesn't even have to go viral, viral, right? It just has to go a little viral. Uh, you know, a great way to get backlinks is to go on podcasts and YouTube shows because you end up getting backlinks oh, nice. too. <laughs> that is actually an excellent backlinking strategy. Get on, get in and talk on 10 shows and you got 10, at least 10 links going right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I bet those show up uh, well coming from just like the podcast app. I'm yeah. not I'm not sure how the ranking goes from podcast apps versus, you know, an Instagram post, but the Instagram post it's, is, it's a story that's 24 hours, so you can't exactly. it well, you, But you get all of like uh, they'll post across their different things. So they'll post on LinkedIn and Facebook and True. Instagram and they'll put it on their blog and they've got it within, you know, the iTunes store and Spotify and this and that. So you get a lot of links from a lot of different places pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. Even when I publish on the podcast, it goes out to Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, yeah. uh, Stitcher, like every little random podcast player. And even if there's not a ton of plays from them, like it literally goes out to like 12 to 15 yeah. platforms right there. Okay. And with a lot of those, not all of them, but with a lot of them, a link will go with too. You know, it's like in the strip, description or something like that. Not all of them, but um, you do end up getting a lot of exposure that way. And we'll definitely make sure to link you. It's kyleroof.com. <laughs> Um, so that, that's the best place for people <laughs> to reach out to you. Um, how, how else should people get in touch with you? Yeah, that's the best. I mean, uh, if they want to go to the tool, it's pageoptimizer.pro. Uh, but, uh, but kyleroof.com is pretty easy to remember, I think. And all my stuff is listed on there. And you guys can even get a seven-day trial to Page Optimizer Pro if you just want to check that out and uh, see what opportunities you might be missing on your page. I mean, for a lot of you that have been trying to rank for a long time, uh, this will probably identify why it is that's not happening. And it might just be a little bit of a pivot that you need to do in order to get that ranking. And yeah. really, the Google traffic is so much more powerful than the traffic that you get from an, uh, an Instagram post even because they weren't in a shopping mood. They were just scrolling. They're just checking it out. But if they typed in buy luxury handbag and then they find you or whatever it is, like that person is ready to shop. So you can get a lot more search or, or a shop intent traffic uh, when you're able to tap into Google. So that's why it's so important. So definitely check that out, guys. And uh, if you got some value from Kyle today, even just go over to kyleroof.com and just see what he's, what he's all about and 
Um, you can find all of his socials and LinkedIn on there. Sounds like he's does well on LinkedIn too. We didn't have time to touch on that today. Um, but yeah, go check it out. He says he's been uh, going quite viral with his organic content on there. So um, lots of great stuff today, Kyle. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.